Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just around 15 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello, and with me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you? I'm great, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm very good. I'm excited to talk about our show today. We are going to talk about uh, one of the most immersive resorts that we have on the Disney World property, and it is the Art of Animation Resort. It is incredibly immersive. People who are visiting Disney head over there just to check it out and get pictures. I will say the Imagineers are busy giving it a run for its money, though. Galactic Star Cruiser, we'll talk about that in a future episode, which we expect to open in 2021 is going to blow it away. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> but I, I think it's worth echoing what you said. People do travel to this resort that aren't even staying there just to take it in. I know that we did that as well. I guess let's let's start in the beginning, right? Let's talk about the lobby. Give us a little bit of information about the lobby. I love the lobby there. It is so incredibly colorful and it is really well-themed, as we're going to keep saying in this episode. So if you walk in the door where the Magical Express lets you off, it starts with the history of animation. And by history, I mean black and white pencil sketches of Disney art. As you move your way down the hall, they start to add little bits of color into the picture until we get all the way to full color. And every color the rainbow is represented on the wall, in the check-in desks, in the floor. Here's a little Disney trivia for you. It is the only spot where you will find the wrong number on Lightning McQueen's car. It is an original John Lasseter sketch, and originally his number was supposed to be the year Lasseter was born. Interesting. Very cool. That's Disney trivia. That, that'll get you a prize on a cruise ship one day. <laughs> there you go. I'll give you a second trivia that I love because I was super special. I had the opportunity to see this. So if you head from the lobby over towards the food court, there's this amazing chandelier. And instead of lampshades, it has this special kind of plexiglass art to it. And it's different sketches from a variety of the Pixar movies. As each starring voice comes to visit, they remove that piece of the chandelier and they have that person sign it. So you can find Jody Benson, the voice of the Little Mermaid, has signed her cell. John Lasseter has signed a cell. Probably the most expensive chandelier when you factor in all the autographs on the value, but super unique to them. That's very cool. Okay. So talk to us about the theming. We're going to talk a whole lot about theming in this show. So there are four themes uh, to this resort. So let's break them down. We've got the Finding Nemo theme, two buildings, center of the resort, best pool, zero entry, larger than life characters in the pool. We've got Lion King suites, Cars suites, and Little Mermaid standard rooms. Okay. So where should we start? Should we start with the Little Mermaid, the standard rooms? We'll start with the standard rooms, and I'm going to give you a little bit more history so that this resort makes a little bit of sense to you. The resort itself was originally supposed to be the other half of Pop Century. They share the Hourglass Lake. Pop Century is the 50s to the 90s, and this was, it's called, its full name is Pop Century Classic Years. 
this resort, when it was imagined back in the 90s, was supposed to be pop century golden years. They did the very first buildings. They were in the middle of the steel when 9-11 happened. And we know our country was never the same. Tourism certainly took a very immediate hit. And so stopped building. There was steel framework that sat for years. We know that that was 2001. This resort actually opened in 2012. Which is unprecedented for Disney, correct? I mean, that's not something that we normally see. We're just in the middle of a construction project. It, it stops for six, We've seven years. We've never seen that. Yeah. Um, over a decade, it sat. Um, but there's a real bonus to it sitting. In that decade, they had some realizations. If you've been to Pop Century, unique resort. Lots of great things in the 50s to the 90s. We've got the larger-than-life Rubik's Cube. We've got the Mr. Potato Head, the Dunkin' Yo-Yo, the invention of the computer. All great things to depict in the resort. I think somebody might have been sleeping on the job. I get what we could do for the Roaring Twenties. I don't know that I would have wanted to stay in the Great Depression section. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think they had this little realization. They had this partially built resort. But again, there weren't even walls. There was just steel. And in that time, we know that our country experienced a baby boom. And there was something missing in Disney resorts. There wasn't a lot of options for families more than four. There were a couple of resorts that could accommodate five, but besides the Disney Vacation Club villas, something that accommodated a family with four kids was pretty unheard of. And so that's where Art of Animation was born. They took the original steel that was there. They couldn't do much to change it unless they knocked it down, which they opted not to do. They created the Little Mermaid rooms. They're the same size rooms that we find now at Pop Century and the All-Star Resorts. They are the absolute furthest rooms from the food court, from the bus, from the main pool, though they do have their own Ursula-themed pool. Um, and literally, as we are talking, they are going through a refurbishment. We talked about how Disney refurbishes every resort every seven years. This one opened in parts, so they are right on track. By the end of 2020, we are very grateful that all of the Little Mermaid rooms will have two queen beds in it, where right now they have two doubles. Um, great theming. The shower curtain is Little Mermaid. The headboard is a clamshell. Very well done. It's definitely a, a place that you want to take your children to if they are right in that wheelhouse of Little Mermaid. I mean, Definitely. Just, just and again, those are going to be standard rooms that accommodate four. The rest of the resort, the other eight buildings are all family suites. So one big change that we don't see in any other value resort and only part of one moderate, the family suites have interior corridors. And if you're like me and you travel there in August and you get rained on, you're always grateful to have that interior corridor. You can pick from Nemo theme cars and Lion King. I've talked about the Nemo pool a little bit. Lion King doesn't have a pool, but anybody can go anywhere on property. The cars pool, I absolutely adore. It is the Cozy Cone hotel theme. 
And there are little cozy cones that you can sit in while your kids are at the pool. They provide some great shade. How cool is that? When you head into the cars (laughs) section, you walk down Route 66. Mater is there to greet you. Lightning, Sarge. As I said, great photo ops. Um, Inside the rooms, your night table is actually like a mechanic's toolbox. You've got lamps that are made of cones. And these suites are phenomenal. As I said, they sleep six. It's a living room kitchen combo and a bedroom. So mom and dad can actually close the door and get a little privacy at night. And that has a full bath and the living room has a full bath. So sleeps up to six plus a child under three, two full baths and a kitchenette. So on all the resorts on property now, you have a mini fridge and a coffee maker. Here you also gain a microwave. So Maybe you're heating a baby bottle. Maybe you want to do some things in the room. That's a great option for you. Now, when you say these things that you're talking about right now, the suites, that is in the cars section of the resort. It's also in Nemo and the Lion King sections of the resort. That's correct. So the only place, as you said earlier, it's not in is the Little Mermaid section of the resort. Correct. And those three sections are suites only, no single rooms. Got it. So if you're not, if you are, you know, two people and you're expecting to go and spend some time staying in the car section, that's really not an accommodation that's appropriate. I mean, you could, but it's not really, it's too big for what you would be, just the two of you. You know, everybody's budget and wants are different. It's not going to be the most economical option for you, but sometimes Disney isn't about economical. It's about wants. I wish when they designed it that they had singles and suites in all of the categories, but I don't know why they forgot to consult me. (laughs) I I don't know why either. They usually do. On all important decisions, they usually give you a phone call. All right, so let's segue over away from the accommodations into what everybody else loves to do when they're on vacation, and that is eat. Let's talk about the food court. Is it run-of-the-mill? I love that food court. It is unique in so many ways. So it's a value resort. It's a big resort. So the food court is large. But it's unique because they really wanted to up the game here. They started by going for a green award, which means unlike most food courts, you're not eating on paper plates and with plastic utensils. You're eating on dishes and with silverware. That's unique. And they wanted things made to order. So in the other value resorts, if you're there for dinner and you go to the station that has Italian, you can have... Your choice of usually spaghetti alfredo with chicken, or you can have spaghetti with meatballs. Here, if you go to the Italian station, it's made to order pasta. A choice of three pastas, 12 toppings, three different proteins. Mix it the way you want, and they cook to order for you. So it gives that unique blend. They also have, by far, the best gelato on property. So if you're a dessert person, go for the gelato. If you're on the meal plan, they really thought it through. If you're a parent, you're telling your kids, eat your dinner before you have your dessert. But if you're a kid, you say, I get to eat dessert first because I don't want my ice cream to melt. Let them know you're getting gelato. They'll stamp your receipt that you didn't pick up your gelato. Go eat your food and then come back and grab the gelato that's prepaid as part of your meal plan. Brilliant. (laughs) I do have a question for you, though, for those people that have not been there, have not seen the property. So you mentioned that there are the four unique areas. There's no food location 
at each of them or is there somewhere to eat at each one of them or do you have to go to a central location near the lobby? Everything is that central location. The only other food is poolside, which is literally right out the back of the food court and in the Nemo section. They do have some grab and go. And if you're on a Disney dining plan and you got one of those refillable mugs, only the Nemo pool has the refillable mug station. Okay. So that's important for people that are, that are maybe going to spend the day there. If that's, if that's the case, you need to kind of figure out your, your food in a different way. And I will say, you know, even if you're at the furthest building of Little Mermaid or the furthest building of Cars, even if you're a slow stroller instead of a speed walker, it's less than a five minute walk from end to end. I think it just sometimes at the end of the day, five minutes is a long time after a full park day. And because of that, it is why the Nemo section has a slight premium charge over the Lion King and Cars suites. Okay. Uh, you talked about time and, and at the end of the day, it being sometimes can be a little bit longer. Let's talk about the transportation, right? We are, like you said, we are a value resort. So let's talk about the transportation. It really outranks some of the deluxes in my mind. So it is on the new Sky Gondola station. You can take the gondola over to the Caribbean Beach station, and then you have to switch to either Hollywood Studios or Epcot. But again, because that gondola is continuously loading, you're going to be probably about 12 minutes to Hollywood Studios and more like 18 to 22 heading over to Epcot. Um, the Epcot line is a longer distance, so it does take a little while to go. Keep in mind, gondolas are not opening till just before park opening. So if you're headed over to Hollywood Studios for Rise of the Resistance, you're going to want to head out front for the bus, not out back to the gondolas. The buses are going to start earlier. Once the gondolas start running, the buses do run less frequently to those two parks. That is the one negative. But I love the busing because it's single stop. Pull up, load everybody on, and go. Unlike some of the resorts where there's shared buses or it's a large resort, like some of our moderates where it makes four or five stops on just your own resort, this is one stop and go. So really quick transportation. So still buses, though, to Magic Kingdom and to Animal Kingdom. That is correct. And, then, and of course, to and go a, shopping. At <laughs> yes, uh, we, can't, we can't forget the fifth gate of Disney Springs. Uh, the question that I do have, though, is you say that they run more, less frequently once the gondolas begin to run. So do the buses to those two, I guess it's to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, do they start at an earlier time and then there's a, there's a cutoff time that's, that's very well publicized? Or is that something that only working with somebody like yourself, you would know? I would say it's publicized because it's Disney. I would leave off your choice of the word well. It's a little bit hidden. Um, it's distressing to me the number of people that are trying to get to Rise of the Resistance super early in the morning. They head out to the gondola station only to see the sign that it's closed. So they've walked five minutes to the gondolas, which are in the wrong direction for the From bus. The so yeah. that's definitely part of our planning is making sure that our clients are where they need to be when they need to be. Well, it sounds like a fantastic resort. Do you have any downside to anything? There's really only one, and it's one that I try and put aside because I love this resort. But Art of Animation is a value resort. One of Disney's most popular discounts through the year is what I call a tiered discount. It's 10 or 15% at a value, 
15 to 25 at a moderate and 25 to 40 at a deluxe, depending on the time of year, they'll align those percentages. Because this is a value resort, it gets that lowest percent discount. However, if you're in one of those suites, the suite does cost more than a moderate. So from a savings perspective, that's not the greatest. But otherwise, it's a resort that you could just love. So if we're going to put our final touches on this whole episode, give us anything that we need to know about the Art of Animation Resort that we haven't already discussed. I would say if you're a young animator wannabe, a little bonus there is they do an animation class several times a day right in the lobby. Just like we used to find at Hollywood Studios that we now find at Animal Kingdom. So even if you're not doing a park day, lots of great resort activity. Well, as we've always said, Disney is terrific with telling a story, and you told us a lovely story today about all the little intricacies that make up the animation resort. Sandy, thanks for taking the time this week. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jeff, and I'll leave you with their favorite thing to tell you at Art of Animation. I'll sketch you later. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. Be sure to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.